Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. I want to talk about honor today. Um, I, I had a dream about honor. I'm not going to tell you the dream because I did it in first service, didn't have time to tell you the rest. So, so there it's called Pace. I got to, I got to my, my notes on page six, and I have 17 pages. So I intend to finish today when I think is just we're going to invite the last service in just to be with us. <laughs> Maybe not. I, I want to talk about honor today. And, um, and before we do, would you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9? And these are probably all these verses will be uh, very familiar passages. Um, verse 9, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me read it to you one more time. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's read one more uh, verse before I comment. Romans 8, why don't you turn to Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. As sons and daughters, by which we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed you suffer with him, so that you may also be glorified with him. I wanted to point out that we were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1, and we were transferred into the kingdom of light. We are no longer slaves to fear, Romans says, but we have been adopted into the family of God and we've become a royal, everybody say royal, we are a royal priesthood, help me, royal priesthood, we are a holy, come on, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We are no longer paupers. We are no longer, uh, lack, we are no longer uh, living in lack or in poverty. You may have grown up in, you know, in the hood, or you may have grown up in poverty. You may have grown up you know, in whatever, but you are, have been adopted. How many know you've been adopted, but your daddy is royalty? Like you've been adopted into a royal family. <laughs> you didn't just be adopted into a family. You were adopted into a royal family. That makes you royalty by adoption. You may have grown up in a bad neighborhood, but you grew up, but you, where you grew up has nothing to do with where you're living now. You're living in the kingdom of God, which is a royal kingdom with a king. Our, our, our God, our daddy, is not president of presidents. If he was president of presidents, you wouldn't necessarily be an heir because a president doesn't necessarily have an heir in his presidential position. But you are, but your daddy is a king 
And that means that you are heir to the throne. As a matter of fact, you are already sitting on a throne in heavenly places. When you are not just seated in heavenly places in a chair, you are seated on a throne because you are royalty. That's the truth. I know. I'm right about this. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1. They gave me a sippy cup. (laughs) I have no idea why. But I couldn't get it open. In first service, I was like, how do you get this thing open? Then I didn't realize it twists. Whatever. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, come on, say holy, Holy. and blameless blameless before him. In love, he predestined us, let's get this, in love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons, to the adoption as sons, to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to his kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. We were adopted in God. You just weren't, you weren't just born like, oh yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I don't like him that much, but that's the best we could do. No, it wasn't like that. God goes, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you. He actually adopted you into his royal family, and it's his nature to bless you. He's already given you every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You already have it, past tense. This is a good word. I'm trying. <laughs> okay, go down to verse 18, Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Everybody say enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I gotta stop right there for just a minute. Now, there are many verses that talk about our inheritance in God. So you understand, I know that. This verse is not that. This verse is not saying that you have an inheritance in God. This verse is saying God has an inheritance and it's you. God is not tolerating you. He's not like, well, we guess we got to go. Let's learn. They're singing. What did I write about that? I inhabit the praise. Okay, let's go down. No, not, not today. No, no, no. God is wild about you. Like, like you are his inheritance. Like he wanted kids and you are them. And, he, and, and before Paul... St- Before Paul shares that with you, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Like, he's like, you're not even going to believe this from the head. You can only get this from the heart. And that's only if God enlightens you. Okay, it gets better. Watch this. (laughs) Sorry. I I don't know why I'm yelling. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read it to you again. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Let me read you that line. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, which is his church, the the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
Thank you. Getting a little coaching up here. I actually did forget the last line. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> I mean, that is a good word. He's seated in heavenly places, and he said, I want you to be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of your calling. What is the power that is towards you who believe? That raised Christ from the dead. It's just like in accordance to the, who, the, in accordance to the power of raised Christ from the dead, that power that raised Christ from the dead is also working in you currently. And Paul said, you're not even going to understand this if you don't get enlightened. This is a really unique word, enlightened. It's actually, well, it's Greek, so it's probably something like. (laughs) But it's photis, something like that, photis. It's where we get our word photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. It's what happens when when light works on plants. You know that? In other words, it's not just, when he says enlightened, he's not just talking about that you would get it. He's saying, as you get it, you also are enlightened. It's the word, it means to build with light. In other words, when God opens the door so you can see it, you actually are becoming it. You are the light of the world. And what I'm getting at is, he doesn't just want you to have a revelation so you can understand it. As you understand it, you're actually becoming it. Are you with me? Think about, the, think about the sun like the sun. The sun does, you know the sun, like S-U-N? The sun doesn't just give light to the world. It actually gives strength to the plants. It's actually creating something with the light. This is that word. God isn't just opening the door so you could, oh, I hope you understand this. He's like, as you open, as he opens your heart, Light is coming in, and he is building with light in you. Jesus is not just the S-O-N, he's also the S-U-N. Malachi 4. And the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness is going to rise upon you with healing in his wings. When he shows up with revelation, his revelation builds with light in you. This is a good word. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now or still working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. Did you get that? We were by nature children of wrath. It was our nature to be evil. Are you with me? It it wasn't something we did. It was our our do was coming out of our be. We were doing evil because we were inherently evil. When we came out of the kingdom of darkness and came into the kingdom of our beloved son, the beloved son, when we made that transition, we didn't just get adopted, we got transformed. Listen to the rest of this. Among whom we were formerly lived, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, but God. Maybe the two most powerful words in the book of Ephesians, but God. But God being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive. He made us alive. He didn't just like, I forgive you, you're still dead. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you were saved. And he raised us up with him, listen to this, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that for the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You aren't sitting in a chair in heaven. You're sitting on a throne. And it isn't a throne, it's the throne. I'm saying, when he said, you are heirs to Christ, he wasn't kidding. He's like, come over here and sit with me. It's all written as past tense. Now, how many know there's going to be a future tense reality? But there's supposed to be a present tense reality. That I got adopted by a king, and therefore I became a part of a royal family. How many understand that I am actually a saint? I'm a minister. Why do I come to church? Because we are equipping the saints, not... We are, we, are, we are equipping believers. Yes, you are believers. Not that we are equipping saved people. Yes, we are equipping saved people. We are equipping the saints, the sons and daughters of royalty. We are equipping them to do the work of service. How many of you understand? It's no longer ministry to the saints. It's ministry of the saints. We are teaching the saints how to do ministry. Why? Because everyone in the kingdom is a priest. Well, I'm a mechanic. No, that describes what your vocation is. Your calling is priest. I'm a holy priest. What do you do for a living? Well, for a living, I serve a king, and he's my dad. Brought me on staff. I'm on staff with the king. And we share a seat. And I'm a royal priest. I am part of a holy, I'm not just part of a nation, I'm a part of a holy, royal nation. This is who I am. And I may be a nurse, but I'm a nurse, but my calling is I'm a priest. I am from another kingdom. I wrote a book called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. You should read it. That's a good book. I really like it. It's one of the best books I've ever read. I say that humbly. Okay, um, on a serious note, I, I wrote this book, my fir- very first book, and uh, the two of the, my two editors actually stayed with us for a week, the last week uh, that the book, that we were working on the book before we went to the publisher. And the night before we, so on Friday, it was going to the publisher, and on Thursday night or Friday morning, I can't remember which, Allison, who was the main editor of that book, along with Vanessa, um, she, in her devotional time, she was reading just for her devotions, and she reads out a New King James Version of the Bible, and she came across this passage in her devotional. Let me read it to you in New King James Version. Remember, the book's called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. This is the night before the book went to the publisher. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. He wrote it in a book and laid it before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house, And Saul also went to Gibeoth, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, Can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. It was not, 
Isn't that a beautiful confirmation? She finds this passage in the King, New King James Bible. It says he, that Samuel, the prophet, wrote a book about royalty. And let me back up and tell you what's happening. So Samuel is a prophet, of course, and they're moving. They have just, they've just anointed Saul to be king. And so now they're moving, the, the Israel's leadership is moving from judges, who were kind of like senior prophets, to kings. So it says that the, Samuel gathered the leaders and he taught them the ways of royalty because they were going to have a king. How many understand that we're not in a democracy in the kingdom, we have a king who has dominion. So Samuel... I don't know if this took days or if it took you know, weeks. Uh, probably didn't take hours. He gathers the people and he goes, hey, we're coming into a new era. We have a king. Let me teach you about the ways of royalty and let's write it in a book. Is that amazing? And then it goes on to say, look at the, look at the last part. It says, but, um, it says, Saul went home to Gibeoth and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched Look at the 27th verse, though. Some, but some rebels said, uh, in the, I think in the uh, New American Standard, I think it says some worthless men said, who can't go? How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents. Now, it doesn't say that the other men brought him presents. But the connotation is that the men who were rebels or worthless men, I think the New American Standard says, those worthless men brought, them, brought him no presents. My assumption is, is that everyone else must have, or they wouldn't have listed. This behavior was, was less than the royal behavior that Samuel was teaching them. And we have no list, we have no notes from Samuel's teaching. What did Samuel teach them? We don't know. But could, could we assume that Samuel must have taught them that part of the ways of royalty is honor that actually... That, that actually is expressed through generosity? Because these worthless men refuse to bring him a present. What is Samuel teaching them? He's teaching them about the ways of royalty. But these rebels decided to rebel and bring him no gifts. I'm pointing out that honor is the foundation of royalty. Much better than your response. <laughs> honor is the foundation of royalty. You know, I, I, I grew up in, in, you know, in a pretty rough neighborhood. Lots of people grew up much worse. But I was brought up in a neighborhood where the rules went like this. The values that I was brought up is doggy dog, don't trust anybody, get yours before they get theirs, do want to others before they do on to you. If, you. if you don't get there first, then you won't get enough. You're, if you want to run with the big dog, get off the porch. Stop complaining. And, you know what I mean? And bring a knife. <laughs> Never got past that part. Now we use it for circumcision. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sanctified. It was a joke. I'm saying I was not brought up with, with core values that said be honorable. And what I'm getting at, how many understand, I don't honor people just because they're honorable. They may not be honorable, but I honor them, I honor them because I'm honorable and I'm in an honorable kingdom. 
Well, what do I do if they don't like me? Well, you love people who don't love you. Well, what, well, what happens if they persecute me? Then I bless them. But well, what if they hit me on the cheek? I give them my other. What, the point is that I've become a part of a royal kingdom. Are you with me? Where I've come out of the hood. I've come out of poverty thinking. I've come out of, you know, if I don't, if I don't get mine, then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take it from me. And it's like, no, I have a father who has so much power towards me. I don't have to worry about me because the worst you can do is send me to heaven early. I know where, are, are you with me? I'm like, I, I don't, I, I, I have other core values I live with because I'm a part of a royal kingdom and I have to ditch those values I grew up with because they're not true in the kingdom that I live in. And I'm an ambassador of another kingdom. I remember years ago, I, uh, I, I, I was, um, I got asked out by a girl to a dance called the Sadie Hawkins dance. Does anybody, how many, all the old people are like, I know what that is. All the young people are like, that's weird. <laughs> it's where the girl invites the guy to the dance. And I don't know if this tradition was, was true with everybody, but she would buy you a shirt and you would wear the same shirt and she would take you to dinner before the dance. The girl that asked me, I was 15, she was 17. It's right before I met Kathy actually. And, um, and so she asked me out to dinner, and I had never been to a restaurant before. Let me make it clear. I had never been to a restaurant where someone cooks you food, where you pay for someone else to cook you food, ever in my life, except for Foster Freeze. Anybody know what Foster Freeze is? <laughs> Some of you. And, and, you know, and that, that was like, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like McDonald's, but you know, it's mostly ice cream. And so... <laughs> I mean, that's the only place I'd ever paid for food that someone prepared, ever. Never been inside a restaurant. So I get invited to go out to dinner with this gal and, and then to the school dance. And, and I said yes before I thought about it. I was petrified. And when I got home, my mother was more petrified. <laughs> and so the night before the dance, night before the dinner and dance, my mother sits me down and she says, I'm going to teach you how to eat in a restaurant. And she lays out this, she puts a plate, you know, with a salad plate with, you know, like three different kinds of spoons and three forks and a knife. You know, all we had in my, when I was growing up to eat with was a shovel. <laughs> it's like the biggest spoon possible. And the goal was to get as much food as you can before the other guy gets his, you know. And, and, uh, and then and a napkin. And so my mother sits me down, and she said, okay, this is how you do it. You don't put your arms on the table. Okay, you don't eat fast. Slow down. Put the napkin on your lap when you sit down. First, pull the chair out for the girl. And then start from the outside utensils and move in. Eat your salad first. You know, don't slurp when you drink. And I had to literally practice. I don't know, it was like a half an hour, 30 minute, 40 minute kind of lesson. And I'm like, so I'm like, all right. Um, and then we get to the restaurant. I, I don't know how nice the restaurant was. It was nice enough to have extra utensils. <laughs> so, you know, probably wasn't Applebee's, you know? It was probably better than that. But I mean, when you've never been in a restaurant, like how do you evaluate how nice a restaurant is? I have no idea, you know? It's probably... 
And I get there, and I, I, I can still remember, like, I still have, I think it might be PTSD. I might have to go get Sozo from it now that I think of it. Because I can, do you see my head sweating? I'm like, I start telling a story, and I start sweating. I still remember, we get in the restaurant, and I am repeating in my head, pull the chair out, put the napkin down. Don't put your elbows on the table. Start from the out. I'm repeating this in my head. Okay, you got this, you got this. So I, I would get over the table, and there are round tables with, um, with, um, tablecloths, and so we get to the table, there's four of us at the table, I pulled the chair out, that all went well, all right, good, I remembered that, when I went to sit down, I, I was so nervous, I put my hands on the table, I kind of braced myself to sit down, and I hit a fork, and it flew up, <laughs> God's my witness, and it landed in this guy's plate behind me, and I don't know really what to do, you know, so, you know, I thought, well, I just make it funny, so I just went over and I said, I believe you took my fork? He kind of <laughs> chuckled. I took my fork, you know, I put it down, and then I, then I go to sit down, and I hit my knife. And it goes flying up, and it falls on the floor like 10 feet behind me, and the waiter, I think it was waiting on another table, she goes over to grab it. I go, oh, no, I got it, and I picked it up, and she thought I was going to give it to her, and I'm like, oh, no, I got this. It's just, you know, 10-second rule, and I, <laughs> my mom didn't tell me what to do, you know, if the utensils land on the floor. I picked it up and I put it next to me and they all kind of look at me and I'm like, oh, that's good. 10 second rule. <laughs> and we ate. This feels uh, so much uh, like that. We adopted uh, a young man when he was 15 and came out of a drug home. And... Uh, I remember his first night with us. Um, his parents were both drug addicts. And um, <laughs> we're having dinner, four teenagers. And he's, uh, he's eating dinner, but he's also, when we're not looking, he thinks we're not looking, taking food and ditching it underneath his plate and then rolling it in napkins and hiding in his room. It was a, a year before we addressed it. You know, he was raised in a home where he would go days with no food. Days. They would sell his Christmas presents for drugs. We had a big Christmas that year. We bought everyone a whole bunch of gifts. We didn't have a lot of money, but we decided, like, we just need to have a great Christmas. He's never had a Christmas, so we have a Christmas. Bought him a basketball one. He went to show it to me. I took it, and he said, he hangs on to it. I said, hey, let me see. He goes, you can see it, but I, I, I need to keep a hold of it. See, the challenge that, I, that we have is we're, we're teaching family principles, but to people who are orphans. We've come out of the kingdom of darkness, and we're trying to learn how to be royalty. How do we act like Royalty. How do we not do the dog-eat-dog? Dog? If you don't get yours, you won't get it at all. You know, if someone hits you on the right cheek, get them back. Get them first. Like, those are the values I grew up with. My stepfather said, don't trust anybody. Don't trust people. They're out to get you. It took me years to get to this place where God's like, if you trust me, 
You don't have to worry about trusting you. You're in a kingdom where I take care of you better than I take care of the birds, better than Solomon dresses. I take care of you better than them. And the people that don't know me, they are not trusting me to take care of them. So you have to give to them and not worry about getting yours. You have to make sure they get theirs because the only way they're getting theirs is if you give it to them because they don't want to trust me so that I can give it to them. And when you give, I just keep giving to you. Like you're in a kingdom, you can't even outgive me. It is not dog-eat-dog in the kingdom I've brought you in, Chris. You do not have to honor people because they're honorable. You can honor people because you are honorable and because I'm honorable. You don't treat people the way they treat you. You treat people the way I treat you. This is the way of the king. In Deuteronomy 5.16... It says, honor your mother and father as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may be, go well with you on your land in which the Lord your God will give you. Honor your mother and father. This is the most repeated commandment in the Bible except for love your neighbor, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the most repeated. Out of 10 commandments, this is the most repeated. It's repeated I don't know, more than, I started counting actually, more than 25 times it's repeated in different ways. Like, honor your mother and father and it'll be well with you. In other words, the whole verse isn't, it's sometimes, it's, uh, it's summarized. But it's repeated over and over. And it's the only, it's the only commandment, or the first commandment, I should say, it's the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your mother and your father, <laughs> you'll have what? Long life. How many understand that honor is the highway to life? Honor is the highway to life. It is the lifeblood. Honor is the lifeblood of a prosperous family. The challenge is whenever we allow our children or the people around us to be disrespectful to our wives or to ourselves or to other people, we invite the vampire spirit to suck the lifeblood out of our family legacy. When our children mistreat or, or, or are disrespectful to their teacher or to, uh, to the police or to somebody in authority or to anyone really, because how many know everyone deserves honor? When, our, when we allow our children to do that because they didn't like the way this happened, they didn't like the way that th- happened, how many understand, or when we treat someone dishonorably because we don't like what they did, how many know we t- we're teaching our children, we are discipling them in a, in a kingdom we don't even live in? That is not the way we live. We are not a bunch of hoodlums, gangsters. We are children of an honorable king. We are children of light. We are children of love. We have come, we have come to represent a God who loves, who loves you even when you don't love him, who's kind to you when you're not even kind to him, who treats you well when you treat him bad. This is the kingdom we've come into. I, um, I, I grew up in a Spanish family. My uh, grandparents on my mother's side were both from Spain. Uh, we weren't Christians. Uh, my grandfather received Christ uh, right before, the year before he died. It was very powerful. Had angels teach him the Bible. Someday I'll tell you that story. Very powerful. But we had a patriarch and a matriarch in my grandmother and my grandfather. And, um, and I, 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 no one ever told me that, by the way. I, I don't remember anyone teaching me any of the things I'm about to share with you. But um, at, we had to honor my grandmother and grandfather. 
And one of the ways we did that is at Thanksgiving and Christmas, we had to show up. I mean, into my 20s, like I had to go to my grandfather's house for Thanksgiving and Christmas. If I had something else planned, it didn't matter. I still had to go show up at least for an hour to two hours and sit and have dinner. And my grandmother insisted I eat a lot. And I'm like, Grandma, I'm going to go out to eat after with my friends. I don't care. Eat, no, eat more potatoes. I'm, 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 eat everything that's on your plate. You put it there. I told you I didn't want it. And, uh, and, and that's part of the way that we, we were honoring them. We sh- had to show up. It was just, you just factored it in. I don't ever remember having the choice of not showing up. It just, no one told me that. We just did it. And my grandfather had a chair, a chair in the house. It was my grandfather's chair. It was called your grandfather's chair. <laughs> and when my, when, when my grandfather was in the house, you couldn't sit in that chair. It didn't matter if he was in the room that the chair was in, if he was in the house, you couldn't sit in that chair. Now, I, I didn't quite get it in those days, but I know when, when the door opened, my grandfather would come in, no matter who was here, my, my mom, anybody, sit in that chair. When they saw my grandfather come in the house, they would get up and move to another place. Uh, part of it, I think, was the idea that my grandfather uh, would have to choose another seat, and he probably wouldn't tell you to get out, so it was like dishonoring that he had to find something else. So you didn't know if you wanted to sit down, but you had to leave it open. And, um, and then at, at Thanksgiving and Christmas, we had a pretty big family. So, you know, how many of you are from a pretty big family where you eat together? Yeah. So, you know, the way it worked is we had this long table. I don't know if it had 10 or 12 chairs, something like that. And then um, and there was a long table. And then there was uh, card tables. There'd be like two of them or maybe sometimes three. And then there was plywood. <laughs> and then there was the... Uh, TV trays, right? And you know who sat at the table? The adults sat at the table, right? So for years, you know, like if you, it didn't matter if, when you got there, like if you got there early and you were a certain age, you, you might sit at the TV trays or the plywood. And I remember being probably 15, 16, in my teenage years, my earlier teenage years, and I remember thinking, I got a different core value than I've been brought up with. It's whoever gets there first gets the best seat. So I show up early, and I'm like, I take the seat at the table. Like, hey, I got hair under my arms. I'm like old enough to sit with the adults. So I come in, and I sit down, and I don't, I'll never forget this either. I walk in, and, people, and there, people are walking in. Now, remember, no one ever said, you sit at the other table. It just was, I don't know, what you call it, like a culture, like a village. Like, you wouldn't dream of sitting a place you weren't supposed to sit. And so I, I come in, I sit down, and the adults begin to come in, because I got there like 15 minutes early to get my best shot. And people are coming in, and they're sitting, and they're just like walking in, and they're like. <laughs> and they're sitting down, and I'm sitting at the table, and I'm like, I'm like you know, <laughs> sipping some suds and trying to pretend like this isn't happening. And my mother comes in, and she sits across the table from me. She doesn't say anything, but she just goes like this. Like, what are you freaking crazy? Who gave birth to you? What are you doing? She never said it. She just stared at me. Well, I finally got up. But by the time I went to move, <laughs> there was no other chairs except for the TV trays. It's the same story Jesus told. In Luke 14, let me read you it. Like, long before I knew the Bible, 
I already knew the parable. <laughs> Verse 7, Jesus is telling the story. He began uh, teaching them, or speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking <laughs> out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for someone more distinguished. Can you say distinguished? Someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give up this, your place to this man, and then in disgrace you will proceed to occupy the last place where the TV trays are. <laughs> but when you are invited, go and recline at the TV trays, the last place, so that the one who invited you comes, he will say, hey friend, can move up higher, and then you, will, then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I, I want to point out that the, that the kingdom of God is not a round table. Okay, this is going to be anti-culture and probably where it gets quiet. You are not invited to a round table where everyone has the same amount of favor. Let me just say this. God loves you all the same. Well, most of you. <laughs> God loves you all the same. Like, you couldn't do anything else to get more love. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't come to church more often. You couldn't give to KV Ministries more money. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything to be loved more. But the favor of the Lord varies from person to person. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, Jesus, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and man. Did you get what I just read? Jesus Christ, the man God, right? God, man, man, God. When he walked the earth, he actually had to increase with favor with God and man. Not just man, with God. What does that tell me? First of all, it tells me that there are levels of favor. The second thing it tells me is I'm not stuck in the level I have. Are you with me? The third thing it tells me is that I need to understand who's more, who has more favor than I do. Who, has, who is more honorable, who deserves more honor than me. And you're like, why would I have to do that? Because there are three levels of life. The first one is curses. You know what a curse is? Remember it says that Adam tilled the ground, but it yielded thorns and thistles because he was under a curse. That means you can do the right thing, but the wrong thing still happens. Why? You're under a curse. How many know none of y'all are under a curse? Because when you receive Jesus Christ, the curse was broken off your life. You no longer do the right thing and have the wrong thing happen because you're no longer under a curse. The next level of life is sowing and reaping. What's that mean? That means you get what you work for. And how many know? Hallelujah. Some of you are like, I'll take that. I'm like, me too. But that's not the highest level of life. The highest level of life is inheritance. Remember Jesus said, the birds of the air, they don't sow nor do they reap and the Father takes care of them? In other words, the highest level of life is that you get what someone else worked for. How do you get that? Through honor. What I'm getting at is, when I, I, when I work my whole life, let's say, let's say in faithfulness to God, I gain fav, favor, honor, anointing, gifts, right? And what happens is, is that I get to give them away. Do you understand that when you get low and you humble yourself, you're at the rectangular table, what happens? Psalms 133 says, 
how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity because it's like the anointing that starts at the top of Aaron's head and it goes all the way down to his feet. How many know the foot's just as anointed as the head if you stay in order? Are you with me? What I'm getting at is that, so how do I know who has more favor? Remember what he said? He said someone more distinguished than you comes in. There's, a, there's 1 Corinthians 12 says there are gifts of the Spirit, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of distinguishing of spirits. How I many you know it doesn't, it's not called the distinguishing of evil spirits, it's called the distinguishing of spirits. Remember what we talked about two weeks ago? That 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 said, if many man be in Christ, he's a new creation. But 5, 16 says, we no longer know each other after this flesh but after the Spirit. What happens when I take on the gift of distinguishing of spirits is I begin to understand the level of authority that you carry in God, and I honor you by humbling me. Humility is the, uh, humility is the action of honor. I honor you, and I humble myself. What happens when I humble myself? Life flows from honor. Are you with me? Well, I'll tell you, brother, there's, you know, we're all the same. No, I'm sorry, we're not. And as long as you want to stay in that place in the kingdom, you will work for everything you get instead of getting what other people work for. Paul said in Romans 1, I long to come to you that I might impart a spiritual gift to you that you may be established. He just wrote 16 chapters of one of the most profound books in the entire Bible, the book of Romans. But he says, there is something I can't give you through just words and teaching. I must come to you. And when I do, I will impart something to you, a spiritual gift that you can be established. What I'm getting at is, are you getting it? Do you have eyes to see what can't be seen? Do you have ears to hear what can't be heard so that you can receive an anointing that can't be understood with this except with this? Are you following me? And I'm saying, we've come into a different kingdom. We're not a bunch of paupers trying to get what's ours. We are honorable, royal, noble, holy people who understand how to live in a kingdom of God where we don't have to worry about getting ours because our Father gives us ours. And we can, when we honor other people, the favor of the Lord that's on them flows to us naturally. Are you following me? Would you stand? I had a dream when I woke up this morning, and in this dream, everyone was running to me, and they were like, oh, look, he has, he has wealth. Look, he has this stuff. Oh, come on, give it. Let's see. And, and everyone was like, would you teach me? Would you teach me? Would you teach me? And in the dream, I said, all you have to do is touch me. All you have to do is touch me. And I just kept repeating, all you have to do is touch me. And I woke up with this word, impartation. And I believe the Lord wants to reveal the pathway of honor that God wants us just to touch one another and release whatever he's put in us. How many know we're all carrying stuff? You all have something to give. You're like, you're talking about you giving something? No, I'm talking about y'all. I didn't say, I'm a royal priest. I said, we are royal priests. And when you come, Paul said, each one has something to give. You have a breakthrough in your life. How many know your breakthrough the breakthrough in your life becomes the anointing that flows out of you. When people honor the breakthrough in your life that you've had in your life, 
when they honor you, they get access. When they honor you, they get access to the breakthrough you had, and they don't have to go through it because you just gave them what you won in that breakthrough. I want to pray for you right now. Just put your hand on your hearts. Those that are watching online, you do the same. Put your hand on your heart. If you're driving, one hand will do. Lord, I just release whatever it is that's on my life as an example of what they will do as they go through the world. Lord, I just release what you gave me to them in Jesus' name. I pray for everybody in this room that has humility in their heart. Lord, that with the hard things that we went through, the things that, that we didn't know we'd get, if, if we'd even get through them, Lord, whatever, whatever victories that, that are mine in you, Lord, I just, I just freely give them to them in Jesus' name. I pray that people, they, there would just be things that happen to them, prophe- gifts of prophecy. I, I pray, God, there would be perseverance. There would be things that are in my mind that would now be in their mind. Lord, I just airdrop these things to them right now in Jesus' name. Remember, you've got to accept the airdrop. I just airdrop to them in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.